Freeman. What do you know about magic? <laughs> I know we were all meant to go through trials and tribulations. But this magic that's haunting us, testing us, that's like the devil. Perfect alignment. That's how you upset the balance of nature. I'm doing this to protect us. It's too much at stake. If they come for you, you damn sure make them work for them. I say no, no. What's up, y'all, and welcome back for another installment of Lovecraft Aftermath. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review of HBO, Matt Ruff, Misha Green, Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, and a whole host of other folks of the melanated horror show that is Lovecraft Country. Man, today I have two very special guests with me. If you guys will come on off the mic and let us know who is joining me for today's episode. Well, I'll go first. Hi, everyone. I'm back again. <laughs> Talisa, I was on, I think, what was it, episode two or episode three? Episode two or episode three, <laughs> one of those, it's all a blur after this last week's episode. But anywho, I'm Talisa. Yes, yes, it says welcome back, welcome back. And we have another very special guest today. Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? This is Eric Joseph, a.k.a. The Maverick. Uh, Eric with a C and a K. I always have to break that down for people. Uh, this is not my first time doing podcasts, but it's definitely my first time on the show. So thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you both for being on. Yes, yes, y'all. So, who? okay. So we've, <laughs> we've made it to episode 8 of 10. Uh, this episode is Jigga Bobo. Bobo referring to Emmett Till, the character on the show in real life person in real life. A distraught Diana finds herself in Captain Lancaster's crosshairs when a visitor from his past arrives at the boarding house. Atticus and Letitia each take steps to protect their future. Alright, y'all. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, um, make sure to use the hashtag Lovecraft Aftermath or LCC Pod. That will be listed in the show notes. Okay, getting right down to the dirty, the nitty gritty. Um, we'll start with Eric. You are brand new. How did you? Oh, firstly, have you read the book? So no, I have not. But okay. I did download the audio book. I'm going to probably start it next week because I feel like I need to finish it before the season finale. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Everything plays out. Okay. So with that being said, coming from a place of someone who has not read the book, what the hell are you thinking? Now that you watched this freaking show and you've gotten to episode eight. Um, overall, it, like I said, it made me want to get the book immediately. When I saw there's an audiobook version, I was like, okay, this sounds more like my speed. Yeah. Because I'm always I'm I've been an overall nerd my entire life, so mm -hmm. I love sci fi, but to see it represented with people that look like me and characters that could essentially be me and use historical references such as Emmett Till and Betsy the Motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different people, especially coming from, I'm originally from Louisiana. Okay. So oh, wow. From the Deep South, like, mm -hmm. and everything. I've, even to this day, still experienced some things even when I go back home. So mm -hmm. to have shows where you're kind of doing the complexities in a period piece on top of 
with magic and science and everything. Mm. Now, overall, I'm just so ready for to see what happens next. In all honesty, okay. I don't even I don't even anticipate shows anymore. I used to be one of those guys that sits and watch shows and like, oh, this is probably gonna happen next. This is gonna probably happen next. Yeah. And I can honestly say, Lovecraft Country is the one show that I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna wait until <laughs> Sunday and see what. They <laughs> yes. No. That's fair. That's that's fair. My God. What about you, Talisa? Now we're at episode eight. What's what's going through your mind? <laughs> well, um, episode eight, I loved it, and it was also just a uh, just they. I mean, I got hit with a one-two punch because I feel like the week before last, the Hippolyta episode, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they can't top that, right? And then I watched this episode, and I'm like, oh my, okay, let me just be quiet <laughs> because every time my mind is being blown. So I told you the last time we probably texted or talked is that I was like, I'm going to try to read the book before the podcast. <laughs> so I tried to do audio books and I was like, you know what? Let me just give myself a little more time than two days to yeah. try to listen to this book. But I did kind of get into it. And um, either either or the show is amazing. The book by itself is amazing. So I am just I'm just happy to be on this ride to have some good quality television and also to just see black intellect. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot that that you get to see is that everyone, every player in this show is smart. Mm -hmm. They're they're book smart, street smart, you know. It's just it's it's a good thing to see. So I mean, like I said, I'm just happy to be on on the ride of Lovecraft Country. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, I understand because woo. Even having read the book cover to cover, there's still like there's still things that they're doing. I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Like I thought I had a handle, <laughs> but I I know I thought I knew, but I ain't know what I thought I knew. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> So we open up with now. There's been a lot of critiques about the show. Um, I see a lot. Okay, let me. How do I put this? So for me personally, I feel like everything, every piece of art can be critiqued, even if it's my own, because it's up for interpretation. And there have been many different uh, think pieces and think tweets about this show. Uh, and for me, I do respect anyone's opinion. If they do not like, like that's okay. It's fine. You're entitled to that. Um, a lot of what I'm seeing is that it's like, like suffering and torture porn for, you know, for blacks. And I'm like, that's not the way I see it. But if that, I mean, that's what they say. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say this episode in this show in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of other things and movies that even recently came out that definitely are more so yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. with this, I kind of just feel like, no, this is a period piece that's written. Thank you. Like, that's being yeah. shot in modern day, with modern day music, which I really appreciate mm-hmm. about it. Um, but it just kind of gives a whole different aspect. And when you start introducing, like, these magical and sci-fi elements, this yeah. is really something that we don't normally get to that's see. That's exactly it. Right. Yeah. That that was exactly my, my rebuttal, was that, like, uh, pr- okay, so the opening scene, which is the funeral for Bobo, Emmett Till. Um, we saw him in a few episodes. And the critique that I found is that people were upset at the handling of it. For me personally, I said I think they did a good job, mainly because, like you said, Eric, we're dealing with a period piece. Though we have 
these fantastical elements, we don't have that as black people. There has been, what's the retelling of, is it a Jane Austen novel? Pride, Prejudice, and Vampires or something? So you literally like have were able to um, remix a quote-unquote classical work of art and then incorporate vampires. Though Emmett Till is a real person, I feel like this show has done a really good job at making these conversations happen about black spirituality, about um, religi- religiousness, uh, about racism, and about certain things like Emmett Till in particular that did not get this type of exposure. Um, I think for this to be a period piece that has magical elements in it, I think they handled it really well, incorporating this boy into the story, but keeping the events of his life true to form. I don't know. I I guess I'm just, I respect if you don't like it, that's your prerogative, but I don't think this show is doing what people are saying it's doing. Yeah, I I totally disagree. I mean, I feel like they're bringing light to the situation or acknowledging, I think, a lot of the time we hear Emmett Till's name, we never really get to acknowledge him as what he was before Mm -hmm. he was murdered. So the fact that you almost get to see him as a kid playing, having a, you know, having friends and then to not only see the effects of his death, of course, with him, of the outcome of him dying, but also the effects of his friends. Because mm-hmm. I know I, I was listening to something that someone said, which was very true, that the just think about his friends during that time. Mm-hmm. To see someone like that, it had to have had effect on, uh, an effect on them as they grew up and got older. Mm-hmm. So those are the parts about Emmett Hill's story that we don't, uh, you know, we never really recognized or never really shed light on on top of the fact they didn't make a mockery of right. the death right. they still right. kept the seriousness of it because I mean there's a show there's a movie out about Abraham Lincoln killing zombies or vampires yeah. I mean, so I could see if they did something like that but the fact that they, they kept the series of events true to what happened mm-hmm. but almost told the, the side of the story from a friend you know, from a friend who knew him as just mm-hmm. a, a lovable, sweet person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that was the thing that I that I kind of meant, I remembered hearing. They were like, "Dude, this was D's best friend," and mm-hmm. I remember watching the preview for this week's episode before it came out. And it was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a, a Diana centered uh, centered episode," mm-hmm. and to even just come out the gate with her losing her best friend, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole level of intimacy with her because she just lost her dad, yeah, her mom. Mm-hmm. So she's already losing people left and right. Mm-hmm. And even down to the point where, and I found it interesting that they were focusing uh, the conversation in that opening scene about protecting that, about protecting D. What mm-hmm. What's making, what's what's going to make her feel better with yep. the situation and everything. And I mean, we're going to get to it later on, but it's funny because like there's some other stuff that I noticed as it got towards the end of the episode when... Actually, she's like the one person who wasn't protected. Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness. Which, well, we not, we'll get to look, it. Look, we all on the same page there. Because, <laughs> God damn it, yes. I, huh. um, which I think getting ahead of that or getting ahead of the show to that point, with the way D was handled throughout the entire episode, and then looking at... 
the way in which Letty was handled. Though they're, they they occupy two different spaces on this show. This was still a little brown girl who looks black with black features. And again, not that she's in competition with Letty, but just seeing the care that Atticus took. Because, of course, she's carrying his baby. And she's the, 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 even though she doesn't act like it, she's the precious jewel. And it's like, even the way she, ugh. yeah, okay, we'll get to it. So, um, ultimately, we get Montrose, we get Atticus, we get Letty, we get Ruby, and we get them all here with D at this funeral. And we pan out, and it is like, uh, 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 a football game, uh, Freaknik, uh, any family reunion as far as mm-hmm. volume of the crowd. And that, like, we have our hashtags and we have these names that go up because of police brutality now. And it's not taken away from any of that. But can you imagine in an age where there's not social media, things like this happen and you congregate in this way? Like, I feel like the space is very different from now if we had a funeral for every single person who has been murdered mm-hmm. at the hands of police, good Lord, which those protests could be seen as a type of like home going or whatnot. But this show is set in the fifties, 1955, I think is the current year. And we are still doing some of the same shit in 2020. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the other crazy side of it. Yeah. Because now we're looking at this, but in all honesty, we know people, we've been to these funerals because they've happened. They're still happening. There's one that just came out about the cop, I believe it was in Texas. Yep. That mm-hmm. was actually, like, um, at least getting trialed to be yep. murdered. But with, then we go to, like, Breonna Taylor, like, right around, that was, what, last week? week before right, last. right. Like, we're still seeing this every day and watching these families and friends having, well, not at this point because of COVID, but having to gather and have these type of feelings and emotions and unfortunately funerals of young people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And again, to watch this show through the lens of a little black girl with those events having happened, was just like, I think watching it through the first time I was entertained, but I think watching it through the second and third time, it was like, yeah, entertainment aside, even the fantastical, magical shit aside, this is a story that's still being replayed today. Mm-hmm. Like, just, yep. same script, different cast. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Um, so we move on to D, also walking away from the funeral, and she ended up at I think a toy, no, a menswear, a menswear place. And uh, this show does a very good job at putting in these Easter eggs that are very black, like when Letty wore the same top that uh, Lynn Whitfield wore as her mom, like, what, 30 years ago in East Bayou? Um, <laughs> what is that painting, not the painting, that portrait of the little girl, is it by the... They did an episode one, I think, where the girl and her mom were at the movie theater. Uh, it was, like, for a split second, but I felt like they were doing something like that with uh, Diana showing up at the, the clothing store. Because she turns her back and there's two girls, a bright-skinned girl and a dark brown-skinned girl. And they're eating ice cream and they're laughing and, and joking and, like, waving at her. And it seems as if Diana's response is, like, unreasonable or maybe, like, strange. She th- picks up some rocks and throws them at the girls. And I didn't get it until I watched the whole episode. I was like, oh, no, this 
this episode, this scene is foreshadowing the trauma she's about to go through for the rest mm-hmm. of this fucking show. Yeah. Additionally, yeah, there's nothing to laugh about. How how are these the only two black girls in town that are not at this funeral? So. And where are their parents? At? Yeah, I was like, where are their parents? Just... Because even Montro said this, she don't need to be out by herself during these times. Mm-hmm. And that was just weird in itself. Yeah, yeah, this was they they did that. They did a really good job. The actress playing D. Oh my God, forgive me, I did not look up her name. She, oh my God, her with her uh, color purple dress that she wore the whole episode. She <laughs> look. She did. She did what she had to do. This girl, she did everything she had to do. Um, so, how are we feeling about D in this like first half of the episode? This before we get to the traumatic shit. How are we feeling about her and her position in the show and everything else? I mean, what about saying like like? I mean, in the first half, she was more so. Just- just kind of trying to escape everything. Mm, mm-hmm. It was always her running somewhere to do, like, somewhere, get something, do something else, mm-hmm. get away. So it's like, I mean, at the immediate thing, it was that interaction with the two cops that led on to, like, her running home. Mm-hmm. And then from home, she went to uh, Letty's house. And so it was really just kind of her just running around town, just trying to either avoid anything that's happening or just the people that she... Um, usually interacts with. Yeah. That's what I got from it. <sighs> My God. Yeah, I I got kind of the same thing of her just kind of running and I and I guess for me it almost also put me in the mindset of how kids don't don't aren't very forthcoming with trauma that they face mm, because mm. it would have seemed as though when D as soon as it happened, when she bust through the door she would have told my was like that these two cops grabbed me and once spit on my forehead you know or at least try to oh. that lets you know that kids can sense when people around them are going through something themselves and decide to kind of close in and hold in things mm. that they have went through to kind of not add on to all the confusion because you think she her dad died mm-hmm. her mom's not there Emmett Emmett Till just died, so it's like, what? What good would it do for me to bring up that I was harassed by two cops? So, I mean, through that whole episode, and then the one time that she did try to open up and tell someone, she was dismissed. So, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of so for me. Oh. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh well, no. I was just gonna say for me, I I really sympathize with D for a. For the episode, just that episode, to know that she was kind of put in a position to to have to face these monsters on her own because the people who she trusts the most, which was would be her mom and her dad, mm-hmm. were not there to for her to confide in. Yeah. Who? Okay. So you did two things there. So everything you said, I think, stands. And I want to say the show that was intentional. And I say that because in the book, this happened, like, what happened to her in the book was made so that she deliberately could not speak the truth. But, but because we are in a different, this isn't 
play by play, beat by beat with the books here, I think you're 100% correct. Because she was still able to tell Montrose, where the fuck is my parent? Where's my mom at? You know, so I don't think you're wrong. Uh, but I did want to bring it up that in the book it happened. And I'm bringing it up because I'm going to mention the book again towards the end of the episode. But yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Sometimes the trauma that children go through, sometimes you're unable to speak it. Like you're unable to, and for whatever reason, it's not easy. Oh my God. Which is, and then a little black girl at the, I just, I don't know. This was a traumatic episode for me. I'll say that right now. Yeah. This was a lot. Um, so Christina, I want to get y'all's thoughts on Christina. So we see Atticus going through the cemetery into one of the, I don't know, crypts or whatever you call it, where uh, Christina's sitting there like a, you know, privileged white woman. And she says, you know, I don't like to be here waiting, but I was in good company. And it's like, I think her mom, Clarissa, Braithwaite, whatever. So Atticus is like, look, I need, I need, a, I need a spell. <laughs> And she like, well, shit, I, I gave you my car months ago. You know, what's up now? Well, I want to protect my family. What What are y'all thoughts on Christina? I mainly ask because I keep seeing people who are like, oh, she's really a good guy. She's just misunderstood. Or she, oh. uh, <laughs> she, um. I was going to say, y'all may hate me, but I actually like her. Ah! Like, I, I, I don't know. No, I didn't say she was a good guy. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think of her as a good guy. I think of her possibly as, but I wouldn't call her a villain either, so I'd probably give her the title of, like, anti-hero. Okay, okay. I don't, okay. I, I'm like, that's the thing. I don't think she's incredibly, incredibly evil because if her plan is literally just to achieve immortality, yeah. she could probably figure out a way to get to the autumn before the autumn solstice to kill Atticus. She mm-hmm. wouldn't have gave him that protection spell. She wouldn't have got Letty this house. Right. She wouldn't have gave Ruby. Like, she's, she's one of those people that is, like, someone that I know they were supposed to hate. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to all the other evils that surround them. <laughs> she, she's she's mild. Yeah. Right. Like, I would love to have Christina on my side. Oh, for sure. The cops and the magic and these creatures and everything. And this whole, like, group of... Uh, people who are worshiping Adam who wants to achieve like in comparison I don't mind having her on my court in my court mm-hmm. and on my like on my side but I wouldn't go like I wouldn't fully trust her like a certain other character that we get to is doing yeah that. okay now what about you Talisa? <laughs> well okay let me just say I I always said I don't trust Christina okay I, yeah. it's not that I don't like her because she's done a lot she's like one of those people where if someone asks you about somebody and you're like well I can tell you what they did for me that don't mean they're going to do the same thing for you but I can say she saved me from a couple monsters she killed a few police then got them out the way for me but I don't know if she's going to do the same thing for you she's like one of those kind of people Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you got to keep your eye on her because even if she helps you it's not like she is. She doesn't care about you, so I can. I'll help you as long as it doesn't get in my way of what I'm trying to achieve. Okay. So I I feel like I like her character as far as being a not a she's like you said she's an anti-hero. So she's not a person that's getting in their way to keep them from. You know, she's not trying to oppress them or put them in slavery or anything like that. But she's also not going, she's not going out of her way to mm-hmm. help them or going out of her way to seek 
peace for black people. Yeah. As she told Ruby, like, right. she don't care about none of that stuff. So, I mean, Christina is just someone I wouldn't trust. I would use her help if she offered it, but I would also not blindly trust her. Like, I wouldn't go into a dark room <laughs> and think that something good is going to happen. Right, right. Well, I hate her. No, I, <laughs> no, I think the actress, I think, what's her name, Abby something? I think she's damn good in this role. I think mm-hmm. she was cast really well. Um, and she tall as shit, right? Like, ain't she, like, oh my, yeah. like 5'11"? Yeah, like, this motherfucker tall. <laughs> and you can see in the framing, because, uh, like, when Atticus came into the, the tomb... She was sitting down, he was standing up, and then even when they were both standing up, they were never side by side. Like, he was closer in frame and she was further back. So, I I don't know if that's maybe intentional so she doesn't maybe look as tall as she is. Because next to Letty, she's like seven feet tall. Um, yeah. But yeah, that aside, I don't... I like the actress. I think she's doing a good job with the role. I don't like Christina. I don't like her and Ruby. I don't like her um, in the car. I don't like her in the plane. I don't like her on the train. <laughs> I'm sick of her ass. But I do recognize, for me, like much like you said, Talisa, I feel like with her, I'm waiting for that final shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's probably more um, ambivalent, I guess. I don't know. She's nicer. I think she's going about the things that her father did in a way that doesn't... Where he was willing to like kill, get rid of whoever, like sacrifice, um, sacrifice uh, Atticus with no issue. I feel like she's going about things in a way that is going to be beneficial to others, so that'll be appealing, even if ultimately that thing gets her what she wants. And in the end, at that solstice, she's gonna have to kill Atticus. Like either way, he's gonna oh, yeah. have to die. No, I definitely say she's an opportunist. Yo, and yeah. I see her having the like. The other thing is like, I think the other reason why she's keeping Atticus alive is because now she can manipulate, maneuver however she wants without the other group that is trying to get the power. Yeah. They're going after they're going after Atticus. They're going after Lay. They're going after the black people specifically. So mm-hmm. she's like, well. While you guys are distracting them, I'm gonna start gathering all the stuff that I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> got the she got the translations with the, from the negatives. Yeah. So she's like, you guys are doing the work for me. So yeah. Like, look, if all I gotta do is give you guys a house, show you how to do protection spells, and do these little things, and I still get what I want, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. She's pretty much like you said, Dracaris. She is the Khaleesi of the '50s, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> like so. I mean, Leah, I I think that actress is doing her fucking job. She, honestly, everybody on this show, and I don't really mention Christina that much because the white people are just like that, but I think she's the most well-thought-out white character on the show because, like, the Captain Lancaster, he's like a Spike Lee villain. He's just a racist white man for the sake of being a racist white man. Mm -hmm. And... William and Christina have a level of depth that even before they started sleeping with Ruby was I still was interested in them mm-hmm. so yeah that's where we at so listeners tell us how do you feel about Christina <laughs> use that hashtag Lovecraft Aftermath <laughs> okay so we get um, we get D running home Montrose is there and she pretty much said you know stop fucking lying to me you say my mama is gone on a 
on a guy trip, but where the fuck is she? You, she ain't sent word. She said, if my mama knew, did she say Bobo or did she say Till? Either way, if she knew Emmett Till was dead, she would be back here. She's not here. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is my mama? And that, that resonated with me. I don't know about y'all, but I, that, I, go ahead, go ahead. What also stood out to me was when she slammed the door and uh, and Montrose, the fact I I thought as soon as she slammed the door, just because of Montrose's temperament, I thought for sure he was going to open up that door and mm-hmm. kind of do her like he did. Tick was like, who do you think I am? Yeah. I'm the adult. You do. I really thought, but the fact that he kind of showed compassion in that moment was like, Wow, okay, Montrose, you 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 changing up things. But also mm-hmm. the conversation that he had with her through the door was like, listen, I don't know what's what all is going on with you, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, you better fight it and, and if it takes you down, it better take you down swinging. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't change that much, but just the <laughs> fact that he kind of gave her I don't know words of encouragement like mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you your space but I'm 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 gonna keep pounding this in your head to be your own advocate yeah so that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. well and then not to sound well this is it's not really sexist or anything but also uncles from- when they're dealing with their nieces kind of approach things a lot differently than they would with their nephews or their True. Mm-hmm. So he knows that he can't... Uh, now, I feel it's Atticus or a little boy that ran <laughs> that bad few of that door down and immediately probably snatched him up. But not only is this his niece, this is his niece who he literally watched his brother, her father, die mm-hmm. going through losing a friend, like all these male influences around her on top of that. So I think he may have also had reluctancy because she's really just sensitive but in all honesty, he might have just been shook because he called her out. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. If Mama knew, she said, if Mama knew Bobo was gone, Mama would be here, mm-hmm. and she's not here. So what? What is going on? Yeah, y'all are lying to me. I know y'all are. Mm-hmm. Right? Something ain't right. Right. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. I and I know there is a, like a running gag or a running joke about how white kids are so bad and they talk bad to their parents and black kids, you know, we uh, spare the rod and spoil the child, and so they don't do that, which is true to an extent. But I like that in this scene, this young girl, this child, was able to stand up, though she should not have had to, because God damn it, they failed her. She was able to stand up and stand firm in her thoughts. Where the fuck is my mama? She would be here. You not my goddamn daddy. With like she was, my mama's name Hippolyta is Greek, bitch. Like she, like she was, yeah, she was very much. Favorite. Favorite that is George and Hippolyta's child. And I, I, I love it. Say, like that is George and Hippolyta's child. They, <laughs> it, it, like it, the actress, I, I, all of, I love all of it, and and kind of taking a few steps back, I love the conversation that Montrose gave her through the door. It is very Montrose, but I feel like when you look at daddy's little girl and pretty little niece and a little granddaughter i don't i can't recall not that it's not out there i can't recall a man speaking to his daughter or niece in this way that wasn't like don't let them boys get to you this is like whatever the fuck you're going through don't let these motherfuckers take you down without a fight but i feel like that conversation mm-hmm. would have been reserved for a nephew or for a son versus it being a little girl and 
I'm, I'm torn because I'm in a space where this black girl shouldn't have to fend for herself. But within the framework of the show, understanding what we're dealing with, I think that was a very good word for him to give her that I don't think in a, a, a regular show without the fantastical shit that would have been given to a girl character. It just don't feel like it would have been. I could but be wrong. also, I feel like even during that time, it might have been something that they they told kids, especially because you're dealing with so much racism. Because you think about um, yeah, Ruby Bridges mm-hmm. had to go to school. Mm, to, no, you're right. Graded school for the first time by herself. I'm sure her parents had, because yeah. of course they couldn't sit in the classroom with her. So. So I'm sure they had conversations with her like, mm, listen, no, you're right. don't you let them disrespect you. You are just as smart as all those other kids. Mm. You are not dumb. You know, so I, I feel like that no, is I think a conversation you're right. during that time period that parents and uncles and aunts did have with young black kids, right. boy or girl, just because they had so much to go up against. You mm-hmm. got, you know, people just... You can walk down the street and you're considered, even though now you still that's still a thing, you're still considered a threat. But back then, the stakes were like, you can't even go to drink out the same water fountain right, right. without someone, you know, attacking you. So I, I feel like those speeches were pretty common. Yeah. Growing up yeah. Time. I'll take that back. I think you're absolutely right. Like thinking about, yeah, so I retract my statement, but I think I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Who? Um, yeah, we go from one pain upset black girl to another one we get uh ruby walking into her uh i don't know house on the hill (laughs) with her white lover and she's (laughs) stopped and harassed by these not even police officers these are just like neighborhood people a karen yeah yeah Uh, a male karen 60s karen what is that yeah what what is that kevin sure okay <laughs> so what are what are our thoughts on this? Like from the initial, hey, what are you doing here? To William showing up and white saving the day. How are we feeling about this scene? For me, I was I was confused that Ruby is still kind of speaking to William as if he's not Christina, like she doesn't know. Hmm. That was weird to me that she's kind of created this illusion in her mind to like, okay. William is William and Christina is Christina and that they're not the same person. Mm. So for me, I'm like, oh, she's still living there after she found out she's been tricked this whole time. Mm-hmm. So that was a little odd. Well, not, well, yeah, it was odd to me. Same. No, same. Um, I just, well, I personally just, Ruby is not one of my favorite characters. Okay. <laughs> um, just, and it's not because of the actress or anything. It's just literally like, Girl, why? <laughs> <laughs> Every time she does something, especially when she first like started interacting with Christina, I was just like, why? Because and the thing is, Christina's always going to read you for filth. So it was kind of like, girl, you're going to set yourself up and, and Christina's going to set you straight and you're not going to be ready for it. Yeah. And I think that kind of happens later on. And yeah. That conversation after that crazy scene that kind of really put the perspective into me why Christina is really interacting with Ruby. Mm-hmm. So for Ruby, I'm just kind of like, what happened to this strong black woman that was singing on stage mm. and all this other stuff? The minute Letty walked in, everything started going haywire. Yeah. And now you're constantly drinking this potion 
to feel like you can be a white woman, but you really don't want to be, but then you kind of do want to be at certain times. Mm-hmm. And that's really what Christina was telling was talking to her about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm glad she talked shit to her because I, I still, whatever. I'm going to leave that there. She, he saves her. They go into the room. She drinks the potion and becomes a white woman for, what, five minutes? Yeah. When they start. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Because they start fucking as Hillary and William. But William remains William the whole time. And Hillary becomes Ruby. Like, this body horror-ass transformation back into the black woman she started off as. And it gets explained later by her, but even that is like, mm, okay, sis, if you say so. Um, yeah, I feel like Christina, like, okay, really? Is that is that why we did this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because it didn't, it wasn't good enough. That was not a good enough excuse for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't I need that know, scene. Why does Ruby's potion only last like five minutes? And yeah. see, that, that was my question too. Like, was it for the show? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but she don't need to take that no more. Like, did you only I take half? She was done. I thought after the whole little leaving the job and what she did to that man, she was done with it. Mm-hmm. So now, for me, I'm sitting there, well, well, how often are you are you switching over to this white woman? Mm-hmm. Like, how often are you switching over to Hillary? Right? Yeah, Hillary. Like, like, how often are you switching to this now? And then, and then, when it comes to the dynamics of her having sex with Christina. It's like, so you know that this isn't, even even the man you're having sex with isn't real per se. Yeah. So you're just continually living this fantasy. Which. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I just. No, we're, we're in the same, on the same boat. Because, I mean, I get, I guess anybody in that time who found a way to escape in that sense, I'm not judging. Because, you know, people turn to alcohol, people turn to sex, whatever. But that aside, it's like, what actually are you doing? What is going to come from this? Like, the conversation that her and Christina has later, to me, I'm like, now, are you in love with William? Are you in love with Christillum? Are you in love with Christina? <laughs> are you there for the money and the, the potion? Like, what, it feels, who are you trying to one-up by being here? Or what advances are you making by being here? That are permanent because no matter what the potion wears off and you re- you revert back to Ruby until you have to take another dose. So what is keeping you here? Is it love? What do you want? And, yeah, and I'm confused, and I'm also with Christina. It's like, what do you get out of it mm-hmm. having, especially at this point where you have told Ruby the truth. So either she can stay or she can go. So what do you get out of having sex with her? What do you get out of being William and in a relationship with her, you know, at that time? And then you you both bust out of whoever you all are pretending <laughs> to be. And then because it almost seemed like when Ruby, after they got done and Ruby comes downstairs, she's like annoyed that Christina is there instead of William. Like, mm. you forgot that Christina is William? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, this is... This is wild. They both sleeping with dead people. It's four people yeah. having sex yeah, yeah. at one yeah. time. Like that. Like, yeah, yeah, they really are. <sighs> I don't know. Um, I'm sick of both of them. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sick of them. Uh, but 
but also something I'm curious about, and I don't know, because I don't even think I mentioned this on the timeline, with them two having a kind of foursome relationship, I would wonder, and this is a question to the audience, if if there is a queer woman out there who is in a relationship or is attracted to women, if they can maybe give a synopsis on this relationship because the, there's only like I'm in the queer realm so I'm able to speculate on some of this but I don't walk in those shoes so from I hope I'm this is confusing I mean, I'm a black queer man I can tell you straight up I'm not even sure and like, that's, I, I, I don't even know like that's like I'm really trying to figure out like how does I don't know what this qualifies as. yeah but I even I didn't think about considering it as a poly pod a poly quad relationship. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. I think I don't really care about William and Hillary because it's like whatever; those are shells. But when it comes down to it, Ruby and Christina are still choosing to interact with whatever right. mask they right. put on. So, what is that like their specific when they're two women together relationship? Is this something that is? reminiscent of anything that any queer woman has been through like because because i can i can look at montrose in his episode and i can pick apart things that i recognize even if they aren't within myself i can i can empathize a lot with him but with these two i don't know what how to make heads or tails of this so i don't know good luck all four of y'all god damn it <laughs> um so uh, Atticus shows up at the uh, at Liddy's house. He sees that there's shoes outside, which triggers him to know that something familiar is inside. Which why well, didn't Letty see that? But she's pregnant, so I'll I'll give her a pass. Um, he goes in and he sees his baby. Mo- well, let me say that his his girlfriend, his lover, his woman, and he sees his ex. Please tell me how y'all feel about Atticus and him greeting G.I. <laughs> That's my thought, right? I'm, I'm conflicted <laughs> because in one instance, I can understand him being upset with her showing up there because it's almost like, I just called you two weeks ago and you, all you said was you should have come back. And then hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. And you could have told me this. Why did you come all the way here? And and I feel like that's like a guy, well, a guy <laughs> thing. Where it's like, why you got to come here and start problems <laughs> in my house? Why you could just tell me over the phone? That's how I feel like Atticus was. That was the emotion he was giving off. Like, you about to mess up what I got going on. Mm-hmm. You want to tell me to my face what you could have told me over the phone. <laughs> and, and the fact you don't even have nothing to tell me. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. So I get his response, but also I was like, when I seen it and his reaction to her, I still felt like, oh, now, now you you are wrong, though, for treating her that way because she did come all this way mm-hmm. to try to give you some kind of explanation so you could at least appreciate that. Yeah. So I felt bad for Jihad and... I also understood the emotion almost like Atticus was almost being like an F boy. Yeah. Where I just felt like he just was, he felt like he was stuck. So he had to like really oversell the fact that he didn't want no parts of her no more to Letty. Yes. 
Yeah. Eric, what about you? What about you? <laughs> Can you tell out and been through some things? Look, look. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, look, I, my thing just with GI, even just showing up, like literally, it's not even about like being over a phone conversation or anything. Mm-hmm. This is things that clearly Atticus has moved on. He has tried calling you. Mm-hmm. You have <laughs> right. very minimal pieces of communication. Mm. And then you're just going to show up to my house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why? Why are you like? I would have been. I would have been like, "Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Why are you even here? Why, what? What? What now? What now?" And then like, I'm not. I'm not saying he should have like completely kicked her out. Let's be fair. That house is huge. Yeah. They could have put her in the room. Right. Like, I'm sure there's an extra room somewhere. But at the same time, Dhi, you have been, in my honest opinion, absolutely worthless in this whole conversation of things. <laughs> only, the only thing you did was warn Atticus not to go home or he's gonna die. Yeah. And then which literally made him spiral into coming here and doing everything. So it's almost like you kinda wish this upon him and if you loved him so much mm. which you mm-hmm. really didn't because your whole reasoning behind loving him and falling in love with him because he killed your best friend. Like there's so many complexities of yeah. her presence just being there that I know if that was me, I probably would have reacted in the exact same way, if not worse. Because mm. I'm like everything you said to me is a lie. Not <laughs> everything. Like, you're definitely you're a nine tails, really a succubus. Like yeah, just like everything about you, you had no explanation for, and you originally plotted to kill me, and then now because you're in love with me, mm. or, you were, or you love me, or at least that's what Lenny said. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the other thing. Like like Atticus nor Jiha said that they loved each other. <laughs> Letty was the one. Oh, she's here because she loves you. Yeah. So that technically wasn't even confirmed. Okay. No, she no. didn't dispute it. She wasn't like, uh-uh. That ain't work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So no, no. I'm I'm actually with the both of y'all because my initial reaction was like, God damn, he's being very, very aggressive for a motherfucker who you've been calling. But now hearing you, Eric, I I I I'm a bit softer to his response, but I'm still like, bruh. Were you holding back because you know you couldn't whoop her ass? Like if you like if you were going to get physical, like you know, you don't know what she's capable of. I mean, you 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 felt some of it, um, but I feel like his. I, okay, I see more. I see his side more now, Eric. Now that you said what you said, but at the same time, you also like left her in the room with your girlfriend and her and the baby she's carrying. So I I don't know. I don't know. I, I think... And then the other thing that we got to think of is everything that Tick was dealing with at that time between the protection... Oh, yeah. Trying to find <laughs> the last thing you need yeah. is your mom and your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> no, yeah. In the when same room. Like, in the same room when your little sister or little sister uh, so, like person is missing. Yeah. Pissed off at your dad because you found out he's queer on top of all this. So yeah. I just know Atticus is probably like just... Trying to maintain his composure as much as he could. And mm-hmm. I think seeing Jihad was just the, the final last straw. straw. It was them shoes, fam. Those shoes was Man, but like she was dressed for a funeral. Like she was ready. I don't know. I I like this show. I loved episode six, but now I am very much getting annoyed. Because you have, like, you have to make Jihad matter for episodes nine and ten, 
Because if not, why the fuck did we get a four? Now, I still like that episode. I still like the episode six. I still like it. But you, you make her, she has to be incorporated more into this story. Because if not, what, what was the point of giving us an hour of her backstory to only maybe use her in season two? No, use her now. I need to see her nine telling some shit now. So, I... I don't know. I don't know. I, I need more I now. She's got to make it at least one more appearance before this season's over. It has to be something that matters. I don't want this to be no, oh, you know, you might die. I don't, okay, sis, that's fine. But in the meantime, use one of them tails to whoop somebody's ass. We ain't got time for this. So that's where I'm at with it. I still like episode six. Don't get me wrong. I just want more. I want her to matter to the story. And I don't think that she matters in a way that she should with the episode we got on her and her life. Yeah, that was that was my biggest issue with episode six was that we got a full episode of her, which was beautiful. I, I love the look of everything, but it was just like, okay, could this episode have been done in like a flashback sequence mm-hmm. throughout another episode if she's not, if the only reason they showed this was to just show that she's seen his future mm-hmm. and that's it. But I'm I'm sure either she's they are there there's you know there's no uh, there's always some intention with every character that we see mm-hmm. they somehow resurface again. Yeah. So I'm sure she's gonna show up in what capacity because we don't know where she left after Tick and uh, Letty went upstairs. She just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Is she still in the house? Did she go <laughs> leave back home? Is she in a hotel around the corner? Yeah. So we don't know where she's at currently. So I'm sure she's going to come back up. Mm-hmm. And probably more than like, in my opinion, I think she's going to have some kind of situation where she saves them. Mm-hmm. And that's going to soften Atticus to kind of not be so frustrated when mm-hmm. when he's in her presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or she I can may see be that. the person that takes down Christina. Yeah, that too. That too. I just hope she don't well, sacrifice first, herself first to do it. That happens. If that happens, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Eric said it, y'all. I just I just don't want her to sacrifice herself because I feel like this show dropped the ball with Yahima. I don't I don't want to see that again. Um but I would like for her to matter a bit more. And I also would like to see her in Chicago. Because we're black. We know about black history. We have, you know, oral history passed down from generations. But I don't intimately know the race relations or the plight of an Asian American. Or a Hispanic American. Oh, I feel like I said that wrong. Um... Especially in the 50s. Like now, I'm sure I could look up stories. And I could probably look up some shit from the 50s. But I don't think I've ever seen a show that presented an Asian culture in a period piece that wasn't like some Ottoman Empire type shit. Like this, an Asian woman walking around in 1955 after Emmett Till's murder. What What is her experience? What happens to a, a woman like her who presents as non-white but not black either so i like to see that i would um so atticus and letty they 
this scene I think was pulled from Insecure if Insecure was set in the 50s because it was very much a (laughs) go get the fuck out of here but then also like no where you going baby come back and then also like I need to get this to save our family and she's like well no sometimes we gotta depend on the Lord and he's like no I've been with Chris like it's just this they they are intense Mm-hmm. These two, and at first I didn't like them. I do like them together. I don't have an issue with them together. I just, they had to grow on me, but Atticus does a lot of shit on his own that if you're going to be in a relationship with anybody, you shouldn't have this much control without notifying this person of the shit you're doing. Like, I don't know. That's just me. What y'all think about this, this, uh, Martin and Gina as relationship they got. What is this? Ugh. I'm sick of that. I I know. I see. I don't really pay that much attention to their relationship. I forget <laughs> that they're actually. I'm like, oh yeah, they are sharing the same room. Yeah, they do have a baby together. Even when they first kind of got together, I was like, I guess we're gonna go with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, okay. So I don't really have anything good nor bad to say i mean they're just two very passionate like creative free spirits Mm -hmm. that just clash because they're opposing opposites yeah and i guess i i i almost feel the same way i do like but it just seems like i need to see the good times like she uh (laughs) like when she was in the basement uh hanging the picture like drying the picture that she took of her and atticus in the bed together Mm -hmm. like can we just see a few of those moments yeah. that happen to know that they're not always <laughs> challenging each other? Like, mm-hmm. like always at odds. Because even like with him and Letty in that argument where Letty's like, leave, go. And then when he leaves, she's like, well, where are you going? It's like, <laughs> okay, you two need to get some couples counseling because this is a lot for for us to take in with y'all always arguing and it's the same situation every time tick wants to do something on his own and letty is saying let's do this as a family let's let's work this out together and tick ultimately does rely on some family member to help get something accomplished but it always seems like it's always got to be a struggle it's never like I'm about to do this, and the lady's like, well, let me come with you. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's never that. It's always an argument. So that's the biggest thing. It's like, I wish they could show us the moments where they're, like, on the same page. Mm-hmm. And not just when they're fi- running away from monsters and craziness right. covered in blood. Yeah, I agree. Because, shit, I mean, we got Ruby with William. They had passionate sex. Like, and they still doing it. Yeah, so, they, you know, they like Jay Z and Beyonce. They, get, <laughs> they, they working on the same, Look, on the same team. They got to understand it. Yeah, like, but we don't get it with these two. And then I don't know. It's just, and even with Montrose, not that he's less than, but him and Sammy with their arguments, we did see tender moment. We saw some aggressive yeah. shit, but we saw mm-hmm. some tender moments too. So yeah, I'm I'm in the same camp. Like, when the fuck y'all go <laughs> get it together? Um. I mean, I think in all honesty, they really also haven't had the time to have a true, like, fully intimate moment. No. Thinking about the end of one of their lives or the world going on around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. right about that. So they really haven't had that space to kind of just 
breathed because at every time Tick was either running away from death or running towards it, uh-huh. and Lenny was like, Tick, don't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like he was running and she's just constantly chasing him. Yeah. Which is like, don't nobody want that life. Like, I don't know. I'm not, whatever. Forget for, forget them. God damn it. So, um. I got a question for ahead. you too. So, in that situation, if that, if, if you were in a situation like that, would, if, or if you were letting, would you guys, would either one of you have told Tick at that moment, I'm pregnant? I asked he was so running out. Leave. Yes. As he was running out. Um, okay. <laughs> My, okay, follow up question to your question. Okay. Do I still have the meeting with Christina that comes after? That's it depends church. on his answer. Oh my so, God. No. That, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, <either. laughs> I, I mean, I guess it would depend on his answer because I, I don't know if the meeting was with Christina until Tick left, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he left. And, yeah. She didn't set up the meeting until after she knew he was leaving and wasn't listening to what she was saying. So I feel like before she res- resulted to going to Christina, it seems as though she should have been like, you can't leave because mm-hmm. I'm pregnant. Okay, so I would have probably said no because I probably would have told Tick when I had the dream that I was Hello? pregnant. Hello? True. Pregnant. Yeah. True. That's what I would have told him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm with you. I would have been told this man. But then also, kind of a flip side to your question, why in the fuck he ain't saying nothing to her? He knows she's pregnant. Right. That's, now, the, that's the other side. No, that's the other thing. Because I'm like, nigga, and you... I feel like he was opening up the door for her to tell him because he kept saying... I got it's more at stake. Mm-hmm. Like, but and he still kept a secret about the book. Why yeah. didn't he tell tell her about the book? Yeah, those two and their secrets—it's a problem. Well, the other thing, if you notice at the beginning of the episode, Tick was actually like always asking her, "Do you need to sit down? Do you need some more water?" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he was being like he was being that awkward person that knows that yeah. he's mm-hmm. pregnant mm-hmm. and is trying to do everything that he can, but also she hasn't told him. So yeah. yeah. You can't really reveal it either. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the onus is on her right now. But before he went to go meet with Christina, I feel like because he knew this ain't no regular, oh, I can't tell him because am I going to keep it? This is like, we have monsters after us. So, mm-hmm. where she should have said something initially, it's still like, nigga, you know. Like, you know. <laughs> and if you know you're going to... If you know Christina being your cousin can help you give uh, Im- immunity to your whole bloodline, then you need to say, lady, motherfucker, I know you're pregnant. Let's go meet with Christina. Like, so they're both, they're terrible people. <laughs> they are, well, I don't they are, say they're terrible. They're just both very selfish. Very. And that's really what it is because, like, remember, Tick ran away from his dad and everything and joined the army, mm-hmm. and Lenny just runs away from everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. Like, so it's like for them, like, they're always have been so self absorbed within themselves that now they both are sitting here with reasons to not only love each other, but to love their situation and their family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because they've been so selfish, they don't want to tell the other one that they know what's going on because they're trying to get the other one's face. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, do we really have time right now? Like, we really got mythical creatures running after us white Klansman people trying to kill us on mm-hmm. top of this regular police stuff because we're black. Mm-hmm. Like, right. 
they Take the struggle. really have time to do all that, but yet here they are still doing it. So yeah. that's why I'm like, I just kind of ignore the relationship because of, probably because of just how toxic it is. Yeah. <laughs> Very, yeah. It's 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 a lot to unpack, and like with one person, and then with both of them and a baby. Yeah, this, who this has been an intense, nonstop fucking roller coaster from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were happiest in like the first twenty minutes of episode one. Like after that, it's been downhill since then. Mm-hmm. Um, Montrose. Let's get to this conversation with Montrose and Atticus. So, for me, I felt like this conversation, I don't know how I I'm trying to keep it in context of we're in the 50s. Atticus is really getting on my goddamn nerves. Um, I get his anger at his dad, but this, like, slight, I don't want to say homophobic, but this, like, attitude he has about his dad's sexuality, I get it as new to him. But we got other shit that's more important. Like, we are hunting monsters, being hunted by monsters. Who you fucking as my dad means nothing, means less at this point than it would if it came out when you was married to my mom. Like, I don't know. It's just something about this was like, I like Montrose's um, kind of like monologue to him. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I would much rather be in the closet and free than be myself and be locked up in an asylum. So I get that. Mm-hmm. But Atticus is just like, man, out of all the shit that you've been through, you can't... I don't... I don't know. I don't know. Well, I... So, I get both sides. Just yeah. Because <clears throat> growing up, I had a very strange relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. So, I get Atticus's frustration, especially when you talk about someone who just used to physically abuse mm-hmm. And all this time, all these aggressions taken out on you when it was him being the issue the entire time. Um, so I kind of understand that side of Tick being so furious and everything and thinking about, like, especially since his mom's no longer here. He's like, so were you basically now it's like, I see you. I really don't want to talk to you. But since you're addressing me, well, since we're here, did you fuck other people when my mom was alive? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, that's real. Like, at this point, because I don't really have time for all of this. So, look, we're going to have this conversation. I'm going to go. And I think when the dynamic started to shift, <clears throat> especially when his dad mentioned, um, talked about him forming a family, and Tick was like, oh, well, I've been holding this secret, so I finally have to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I guess he finally felt the need to just be like, okay, I guess I can reveal this to my dad, which did strike a change but when it comes to the whole queer identity and what happens especially during that time even the story that he told was just so crazy Mm -hmm. but realistic yeah (laughs) so it's like you kind of feel sorry for both and you understand both sides but you kind of also still want to get mad because they're still having these issues and stuff we don't have time for this yeah we have a spell to cast yeah and I and I and I'm with you. I do see both sides. And this, I, I, what I do like about this scene and about their story is that though Atticus is the main character, this is who we're supposed to root for. He's still problematic in some ways. Where I initially liked him, but I do understand he's he's flawed. And the same thing with Montrose. Even when I'm feeling empathetic towards him, it's like you also killed Yahima. Like you've done a lot of shit, and it, it mm-hmm. and it's like no matter what, everybody except for D is has these good and bad parts of them that we're seeing, which I think 
is really good because that's how we are as people. Like, I'm sure there's somebody from our childhood who's like, you used to beat my ass or tease me, so fuck you, even <laughs> though we're all grown. So it's not like we all have been perfect forever. So I do like this way that they're revealing this character um, and all these different answers, but shit. Once I get the really, like, feeling for Montrose, I'm like, you killed Yahima. Where is the fucking body? You ripped up the pages. You burned it. Like, you've done a lot of shit. For what? Atticus ain't your baby. So, <laughs> I, you, yeah, I don't think, I think that's George's son. Shit. Uh, <laughs> well, I felt like that scene, the one thing that I did notice in the scene was that it, it seemed like with them, if you give a little... They'll, they both, if you give, if they give each other a little, they're receptive to it. So, like, the fact that Montrose kind of opened up and told him about the story with the pastor mm-hmm. and kind of why he made that decision. And then also uh, kind of let him know, like, I value family. Family is important mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. It gave Atticus the, the ability for him to open up and say, okay, well, this is what I've been holding on to. Mm, so mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of shows, like, it almost shows, like, keeping secrets doesn't do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. And if you tell what you're holding, then the person will feel comfortable enough to tell you what they're holding in. And it can it can be a snowball effect to get things accomplished because you see them opening up to each other right. like that resulted in something good. Yeah. So maybe... That could be the shift in their relationship now, and uh, I agree with you as far as they are very flawed individuals, and they have a lot of things to work through. But again, we've always been told these fairy tales of Prince Charming, who was a good person mm-hmm. with a perfect smile and just came to save the day. But they didn't. They we never got told the bad side of right. things or the wrong decisions that were made mm-hmm. or the selfishness that came behind those decisions. So seeing that out of these characters really makes them almost, it makes them human, which yeah. is something that we need in storytelling. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Who oh, wait, they, they stressing me out though. Uh, <laughs> so, so with D this whole time, she's been going through hell with these like twin fucking demons that are, haunting her um there was some criticism about using those particular that imagery as this demonic character how do you feel about the twins being these spirits like was that trying to see how to even get this here so how did you how did you feel about those those twins I mean, I didn't hate them. I, I was mm. like, okay, this this is a good representation of it, especially using um, a caricature like uh, Jigaboo. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm like, it felt appropriate for the time of so, what was being said. I don't think it was really offensive because in the 50s, that's, I mean, she saw it literally off of the uh, book that was in the bathroom. Like, yeah. That's where the original reference was from. Which, if you look up the covers, those covers like that do exist. Like, mm-hmm. you see those images all the time. So, mm-hmm. I don't really get why everyone would be triggered by seeing, first off, two black dancers playing these characters. Like, that's 
more appropriate than it being anything else. And if and the other question would become, if not that, then what? Yeah. What I saw is that folks saying, well, it could have been D, a a evil ver- like a, a jiggable version of D, and I'm like, well, yeah, it could have, but then also these are two black women who now have a check from this show, so like it could have been her playing herself, but it I don't know I I I feel like sometimes people and I could be wrong. But I feel like they take something that's popular and you can have legitimate concern, but a lot of times I don't think it's legitimate. I think it's just bumping the status quo. Like, other people like it. This is offensive to me because I I, I don't... I would really like for someone to tell me why a lot of this shit is offensive to them. And I'm not discrediting saying that they're wrong, but I'm watching the show and I'm enjoying it. Is it because I'm not as educated as this person in this particular um, historical context? Is like, what is it that makes this offensive to you? Like, I don't. Know. I just, I would, I would like that because I didn't think it was offensive at all. I thought it was appropriate for the time this show was placed in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't offended by it. I, I was more curious to. Um, with it being two of the Jigaboos, like, mm-hmm. what was the significance between having two of them? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, but, like, the one with the lighter skin was kind of, like, dancing and really, like, really uh, extra with, with their movements. Mm-hmm. And the darker skin one, I noticed when I seen the episode, like, it kind of, like, drag, dragged its leg. Mm. So... I didn't know if that had anything to do, like, with it like a yin and a yang, because it seemed like the lighter skinned one was more aggressive and really coming after D, and the darker skinned one was not, you know, mm-hmm. was more of a, a was kind of just a spectator of, yeah. of what's going on. Because even at the end, the lighter skinned one was the one that attacked D. The darker skinned one just kind of stood by her and like kind of like, oh, this happened. Like, uh, mm. emotions kind of shifted. Yeah. So I was I was confused by that and kind of wondering what was the significance. And then it also put me in the mindset of Jordan Peele's movie Us. Yep. Just the the movement and the music whenever they came on to the uh, came in the scene. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I. For some reason, I don't know why my mind kept going. Every time they would come on the screen, I would think about the movie Us and like, okay, what is this tied into Us some way? Is this a, <laughs> some kind of connection to that movie? Mm. So I kind of almost look was looking past the ap- actual episode, thinking about the mm. movie to figure out if that they were connected somehow. So mm-hmm. it was a lot going on for me. Yeah, no, I can see that. It was the movement because I think the, a lot of ways in which they move reminded me of Red in Us. Like mm-hmm. that last scene when she fought, but her her fighting was very it was like ballet. Dancing. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm with with you on that. Oh wait, yeah, that shit, that's terrifying. This is probably the scariest episode out of all the episodes for me. So, mm-hmm. um, so D fights back and. Mm-hmm. As as proud as I was, like, oh, she did that. She doing what the fuck she needed to do. She shouldn't have had to do what she needed to do. Like, it just exactly. shouldn't have shouldn't have been that way. She go and 
spit on the, the cop. She called him a pig. She talked about her mama. Um, she said it stinks in there. Stinks that in was my here. favorite part. Right, yes. and I need to know if that was in the script or did she say that off the cuff? <laughs> I really need to know that because that was perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Between that and Hippolyta, it's Greek, asshole. I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> Correct them. She yes. did that. I, I love it. I love it. I want to see more of her and, and more stuff going forward. She did that. Um,. So, based off the conversation that they had, Montrose and Atticus gets to the house, and this is another thing. So, they're talking, and they're making this little spiritual, I don't know, think graphic on the ground, and Atticus is talking about the book, and his dad is, like, commenting on the the text, and he's like, man, I'm dyslexic. And it's like, Atticus is, what, 25 at this point. He's going 25 years not knowing his dad was dyslexic, like that's that's a big deal. Like y'all are learning each other for the first time, mm-hmm. like in this last year, and I, that's something that a child should have known. Because when I think of all the stories of like first generation people who have to like translate for their parents and pay bills and shit, like that's something that. I'm just used to hearing that, okay, at six years old, I was paying a light bill for my grandma because she couldn't speak English. But this nigga is 25, and you just now knowing that your dad is this, I don't know, that. No, I, I can attest in real life. No, that actually happens because, like, I'm still finding out basic things about my dad to this day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here like, wow. I know we didn't <laughs> talk because we didn't really get, we didn't get close until I was in my late 20s as well. Okay. So mm-hmm. I get exactly where Atticus is coming from. Like, so you telling me all this and you dyslexic? For real? <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you to read all these books and choosing what books I like and don't like. And you telling me this whole time you've been putting up a fret like you can read all these faster than me. Yeah. Like, I, get, I get it. <laughs> no, yeah. And, it, and I, but I love that little detail though because it just further spoke to you are you're related this is your father and son but like you are literally i i'm becoming friends or cordial or whatever but god damn i mean i'm sure there's stuff about my dad that i don't know um and vice versa but shoot <laughs> that was a big one um especially yeah, that, when y'all that one it seemed like you would like he's never written you a letter he's never read out loud to mm-hmm. you that was kind of weird but then again as kids you know your parents do stuff and then you just be like oh you you kind of just overlook mm-hmm. it and be like oh I ain't think I'm not even you don't even your mind doesn't even click to that like maybe there's something wrong with mm-hmm. dad like I, so it might have been something that he just never picked up on yeah. like his dad did things, but he was so annoyed with him at the time, mm-hmm. or they were in an argument or something to where he didn't even he didn't even acknowledge the fact that he misspelled a word or yeah. said something the wrong way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I get that, and that, you're absolutely right. So there's, there's stuff that I remember about my mom now, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. You know, this happened. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Um, but I did like that. So Montrose spoke in tongues and <laughs> casted this spell. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, do you feel something? Atticus like, no, I don't, I don't feel anything. Like, I'm nothing happened. Now, my feelings about Christina aside, I hated this scene with her getting the Emmett Till experience. 
I yeah. That was graphic as hell. And I, go ahead. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I I just don't think it was for us. Okay. Just, <laughs> I, it, like because the thing that I, it kind of well it also kind of brings back to what Ruby said. Like, do you care? Yeah. You realize like this is what they did. You especially as a white privileged woman, like realize this. And I think for her, it's like I mean Christina basically just took full advantage of the idea and was like, yeah. you know what? I don't know how this feels, so let me see if I can recreate it. Mm-hmm. Which was disturbing in itself. Yeah. And it's also like seeing it from a non-black person's eyes, I should say, mm-hmm. and watching this and seeing this happen to a white woman may even change like different people's perspective on it. Yeah. So I get why it was done. I j- it really, it honestly really wasn't necessary, but yeah. I get why it was done. I just, I was like, this is gruesome. Yeah. And graphic. Yes. And yeah. So that's that's all I had to say for that. It was just it was just interesting but weird weird at the same time. Yeah. Um. Same. I was you? confused by it because I didn't under in the initially I didn't understand what was going on and then once <laughs> I put it together I'm like okay this is wow but also for me. I also felt like it wasn't really, it was something for us to see, but if we're in the mindset of Christina, what, what did she really fully still un, not understand it? Because even though all these things are happening to her, she still knows she's not going to die. Right, right. So the point of her doing that to herself, it was almost, it's like, did you do this for enjoyment? Yeah. Because it's not like you were going to kill yourself. You knew you were coming back from this. Mm-hmm. And then also, what I thought about was, did she do this to try to feel something because she likes Ruby? I think so. So she wants to feel what she's going through and mm-hmm. kind of connect with her because she has feelings for Ruby. So that's what, by the end of the scene, that's what my that's what my thoughts were. It's like, okay, she did this so that way she will have a connection with Ruby I think because so. she, re- she likes her. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think the show dropped the ball with this scene because I'm going to rewrite this. I honestly feel like that should have been the opening scene because we know that she is immune to um, being hurt. Being uh, mm-hmm. Nobody can shoot her, nobody can run over. So if you had to open this episode just with that scene and her going over the, the pier and then went to the funeral... So when we see her now, I'm I'm anxious because I'm like, okay, clearly that was in the future. I see this motherfucker right here. When is she gonna die? I mean, of course she's still gonna ultimately end up alive. But for as an audience member, I was like, this isn't. Had this have been the first thing I saw, this would have been had a bigger impact. But now knowing yeah. you're doing this for your girlfriends, plural, I don't. I you I don't you're performative allyship that's what this is mm-hmm. so no perfect word uh, yes. so yes. i'm because it's like and then to do you knowing that you're privileged because that's what it is it's going to bring you back mm-hmm. knowing that there what is the movie with samuel jackson it's an old movie from the 90s where he has remember he has a little black daughter and i think it was set in the 50s as well and i think she Time was right 
Okay, yeah. And remember yep. when when the when the lawyer gave that long speech. What if you know picture this girl going through this and this happens, this that, and then at the very end he said, "Now imagine that she's white," and then everybody got it. That's kind of what this felt like to me, but it didn't hit yeah. the same way. And I was like, okay. I mean, like Eric said, this was not for us because I, you definitely could have cut this out in this in the episode reads exactly the same. There's no point in that. Um, I like your idea of putting it at the beginning, though. That would have made it a way completely different dynamic, mm-hmm. especially with, especially when it got to that conversation of, yep. with Ruby and Christina. And if Christina would have did like a slight look away in that, knowing that she did it already or mm-hmm. happened, it would have really made that scene a lot more um, memorable. As well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think just moving that to the beginning, it still have same sequences, but yeah, like you said, just move that to the beginning. Um, one scene I I really love because one I like the use of color. Like all these black people on screen, but when Ruby is in the basement with Letty, and we already had the Montrose Atticus come to Jesus family moment, and we get it with these two. Though the end result isn't exactly the same, they're still getting their secrets out. Having Ruby pretty much tell Letty like, "Yeah, I know what's up." You know, I know about magic. Christina, that's my boo. And this, 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 and that. Like, she laid it out like, you ain't the only one with secrets. What's up? Like, what what was your thoughts um, on this scene? I still understand why they're just having this conversation now. Because they are terrible siblings. (laughs) Especially because they've been interacting with each other a lot over all of this. And it's like, so you Mm -hmm. guys are just completely holding these secrets. And finally now... You want to come to her about it, but it's like, is it? I guess, I guess it was the rebirth that Christina talked about. Yeah, it's like you know what? I'm not gonna hide it as a secret anymore. I'm gonna let them know. I've always known that you guys were dealing with magic, and I'm sitting here like, so you could have been helping. Yes, yes, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, 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 you could have been our spy. That she and Christina. she even said that she was like, "Oh, so you spying for?" She's like, "Why would you ever think I would?" Well, bitch, I, I don't know what you're gonna do. You, you don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, with the, <laughs> I, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, Ruby, I love the actress. I love seeing her on screen, but Ruby makes some decisions that are just especially weird because it feels like she doesn't have any friends. So, Letty being your only, like, friend, quote-unquote, there was nobody who, like, if somebody gave me a drink and I turned into a white man right now, I have friends who I'm texting right away. What the fuck? Guess what the fuck happened? Give you selfies and everything. Like, there's nobody. I don't know. Ruby, her relationship with Christina is annoying as hell. I, I guess I could see the disagreement between her and Letty as, like, just two kids. Because I feel like they are children. I think a lot of people in this show, when they're at odds with each other, they revert back to childlike states. And that's they do that for me. Her and Letty have chemistry, I think. I don't know what the fuck Ruby is doing, and I don't like it. I didn't like her in the book, like towards the end of the book. And maybe that's coming out now because we're coming to the end of the show. But I'll, she's just doing some shit that I would never do. I don't know. I think Ruby is proving Christina right as far as her selfishness goes mm-hmm. and how she has. And I feel like even with her taking that potion and kind of seeing what she can do as a white woman and how that's given her the power to kind of 
play both sides, it it also created a thing of like, I don't need a community anymore because mm-hmm. I can be a white woman when I need something and I can be a black woman when I want to be around my people. So I don't need to have this sense of community, which is what black people strive on. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, she picks and chooses when she wants to do things yeah. almost because she feels like I have the privilege of changing into this white woman when I need to, to get what I need. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you when I feel like it, because I know I'm not going to need you for anything. Right. Yeah. Oh God. No, you, you right about yeah, that. Exactly. I was like, that's, a, yeah. That's, that's yeah. there ain't nothing else I can say. You're right. Nope. And it's, <laughs> it's like that auntie you got that, or that uncle that went away you know, maybe to college, and then they got a little bit of Diddy and got a nice little job. It's like, well, I don't need to come back for family reunion mm-hmm. <laughs> or for June Buzz graduation. Fuck that. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I think you're right, spot on. Um, so, oh God, so getting to D, let's D and Montrose. D hides in the garage, her uh, dad's garage, and she does something I think is very smart. Because she's unable to speak about what's going on with her, she draws pictures of these uh, creatures. And she's mm-hmm. feverishly, like, scribbling on the pad and ripping the pages off. And then she... I, I got nervous when she went into the garage because I'm thinking in my head, you're not keeping them out. You're locking yourself in with them. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they came in. She got a, a, a metal pipe and started whooping ass until Montrose showed up. And so it looked like from his end that she maybe was having like a psychotic break or something. And he's grabbing her, holding her, which is working against her. She being scratched yes. up and shit. This was intense. G- G- Eric, come on. What would you say? <laughs> I was like, that's well, that was the thing. I was like, it was just a lot. And the thing is, like, like I said at the beginning of our episode, I was like, everyone started this episode out talking about protecting D and her feelings and her emotions and everything and I'm like she was the one person that was running fighting and literally had to protect herself mm-hmm. and still lost due to the fact that someone else from her family intervened right because like, the thing is like and I get it because Montrose is looking at his niece swinging a pipe at nothing mm-hmm. but that also made her sit still which also made the curse like infect her so yeah. it's like I could get the bait and see it, but it's like if you guys were really protecting D, y'all should have put that protection spell. All these spells y'all cast this Yes. Spell, somebody put these on D. Which is wow. it's upsetting. I, the three of us on this podcast, and in the next minute, we all are in Artem and we dealing with all this same shit. You're not about to tell me that anybody else in my family who I come across tell me they acting different. I'm immediately thinking it's magic. Like anything, any slight, if there's a crack in the sidewalk where there wasn't one before, I'm thinking it's magic. Y'all really went through all this for damn near a year and you can't be bothered with protecting the girl who has lost everything at this point. And even if George and Hippolyta were here, here still, you want to be in truthful with Hippolyta about George being, like, it's like, how do you drop the ball so hard? She didn't deserve this. Like, that's the thing. Everybody was worried about themselves. It's uh. like, 
And that's kind of what this whole, like, season's kind of been like. This, All these disgruntled, estranged family members in these different situations having to come together. Because, I mean, between Tick and his dad, um, even Hippolyta and George were kind of spaced yeah. out. Like, even, like so every every character. And then Ruby and Letty, that's a whole nother. We saw the fights in our mm-hmm. So it's like everyone's already kind of estranged as is. So now they're kind of being forced to come together, but they also still want to be their own person. Yeah. And their own people. So it's like the question becomes, well, what do you do in those situations? And my thing was, I'm like, how did y'all even let D get away by her? That's... I've been holding this girl's hand, Look, holding her arm. I don't care how hot it is. Braid her hair to mine, because there ain't no way. Yeah, this was right. a lot. And it's and I mean and to me it kind of because this was me as a kid it kind of speaks to that latchkey kid culture where you are home alone your parental figure is working and you are then supposed to take care of yourself between the hours of what like six and nine or whatever though this right. isn't exactly the same it felt like that where now you're into all of this mess because you've walked off but nobody was like they're truly thinking of you. So that's how we're here in the first place. Like, I, mm, mm, yeah, I'm saying all this, but I also was the kid that constantly got lost in the mall because I walked away from my family. <laughs> oh my god! So it's like, I'm saying it like, oh, why would anybody do that? Knowing good and goddamn, well, I was that kid doing it. So I kind of see. I guess I see D side as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. For real, now, I get it. See, now that you said that, I was definitely a wanderer as a child, so I also got lost in the grocery <laughs> store a few times, or just kind of zoned out while my mom was still walking so i can see how that happens i guess my thing was that i feel like if i don't know in my mind i i envision that if uncle george was alive that if he seen d swinging at the air yeah. he wouldn't have tried to stop her he would have tried to talk to her like d what's going on yep Is everything like are you okay let me talk to you and he might have been more aware of the paper the drawings on the floor mm-hmm. and maybe would have put two and two together because i just feel like macho just jumping in and just grabbing her without well, macho feels great to even do that because i'm like she definitely was swinging a pipe yeah that's true, or a carburetor also, or something yeah assessing the situation you would be like okay what is going on like just take a beat but i guess he was just like in protection survival mode like let me just save this girl because she's losing her mind kind of thing mm-hmm. but I just yeah. felt like maybe if a different person would have came there they would have maybe noticed the papers and the drawings on the floor mm-hmm. even after they noticed her swinging at the air yeah no, I'd probably say if anyone else but Montrose mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like literally not even just George or Hippolyta like anyone because yeah. I just see Tick kind of like just looking at her and say hey look at me calm down like not even interacting mm-hmm. not grabbing it i can mm-hmm. see Letty doing the same thing i can even see ruby doing that like yeah definitely montrose is just the one to automatically <laughs> react and do the first thing like mm-hmm. let me just grab her yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know so that that that's that so this finale let's get into this scene because i yeah so the white folks, the police officers, is shooting up Letty's house. Letty is Neo, the one. She realizes she can't get hit. Then <laughs> we get um, Atticus walking around the corner. He hears the gunshots and he runs to the house. Then we get a police officer 
pulls his gun on Atticus to put his hand up. He does. The guy still fires a gun. Letty runs out of the house. Now, this is where I'm starting to get slightly confused. So we know that there's been a spell put on Atticus, supposedly, by Montrose. We know that Christina has branded uh, Letty with the protection spell, whatever. Well, that's that's the difference. So Christina gave Tick a protection spell, but she put Letty with an, I think it was an invulnerability spell. Yes. So it's two different things. Right. And so that's the thing that I was like, ooh, I know the wording. I don't know if people caught on to that, but I'm like, the wording makes a whole yeah. different. You think of protection, I thought of like, oh, a suit of armor. Oh, mm-hmm. a shield. When you think about invulnerable, it's like, nothing can touch you. Right. So, now, now this is where everything you said, when the police officer shoots the gun at him, and then that vampire monster from episode one appears, you tell me, I think I know the answer, but I'm, I'm unclear. Is that a result of Montrose's spell that he put on him, or is it a result of the intention of Letty protecting Atticus? That's where I got confused because I was like, okay, I understand if Montrose, if the spell actually worked, I get that. But Christina has been giving birth to these monsters through cows. She's the one who controls these monsters. She put the brand on Letty, so now Letty cannot be touched. I get that. And I also get that Montrose spell probably actually worked. But does his spell stop the bullet? Or Because I don't think Montrose spell conjured the monster. I feel like... Letty's intention to save Atticus is what conjured that monster. Even though at the end, Atticus was able to put his hand on it like it was a dog and like bond with it a little bit. So I don't, that's where I'm confused. <laughs> so <laughs> if y'all got any insight, <laughs> mm. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm confused <laughs> as well because I I didn't. That's the part I did not understand. I'm like, well, who sent this monster? Mm-hmm. Is it Atticus? Especially because at the end scene where the monster kind of like bows to Atticus, yeah. like, I'm yours now. Like, why? Like, what happened? And I don't, well, I will say this. I don't think it was because of Letty's spell. I think it was because of Montrose's spell just because the, the monster to and that's and not okay. To okay. And the other thing that I remembered you said, like, oh, Christina's been conjuring thing, these things, so yeah, she knows how to do this. Yes, Christina, his cousin, mm-hmm. his blood relative. blood cousin. Yeah. So he could also have the same power to tame these type of creatures. Mm-hmm. And what I also noticed is that a lot of times with these creatures and illusions and spells and stuff, it's usually things that people have already seen like physically mm-hmm. at some point in time so when it came to d it was the curse conjuring was based off of her looking at the book cover. yeah of course when it comes to protection what is the first thing atticus is going to think of mm. as a sign of protection the same things that tried to kill him that mm-hmm. destroyed the, they killed the cops yeah that same visually that was protecting okay. his family's okay. ancestral house. i could follow that yeah okay like, you know, so it could be the unlocking of six power Okay, I hope so. Like that's mm. what I mean, we only got ten episodes to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like a weird training sequence, but no. I think like I I agree that I think 
it is definitely six power kind of just unlocking. I hope so. Day, Letty, Letty can't really do anything besides like not get shot. Yeah. Or stab or die. Which is, you know, it's something <laughs> in itself. Yeah. <laughs> but but also, even with that, I'm thinking, remember she was handcuffed and thrown into the back of that uh, cop car in episode three. Now that you have this marking, much like Christina, even pulling a gun on her or even running a car into her does not affect her. So now, which, would that even have happened? Would you even be able to put the cuffs on her? Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how all these different powers are working in these high energy situations now, because it's pretty much fucking X Men getting together. So, Ooh, I got another curveball. What if it was Baby George? Oh, okay, okay. And, and you know, I could okay with you saying that when Christina put that brand on her, mm-hmm. she went right to her stomach, kind of hunched over in pain. Like I think any other show would have like maybe given her a headache or something, but with her being pregnant, she went right for her stomach. So, yeah, is it really Letty that's protected or is it the baby that is now protected in because she's it's in her body, she's protected? Right. Hmm. Right. Mm, this is a lot. God damn. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So, I'm going to bring this up because I brought it up on Twitter and I feel like a little celebrity. You know, Misha Green, she talked to me. She said yes. about <laughs> So, listeners, I come up with this idea um which it's not like brand new but that i think there are three actually four plus different timelines i'm going to attempt to explain it here i've tried to explain over the last couple days some people get it some people don't there is the book the matt ruff book the book that he wrote lovecraft country in 2016 which at first when i read it it was just a book and there's a show based off of it but with the show, they've changed genders, they've changed events, they've changed so much that I was like, okay, they're making it his own thing. When Atticus went to the future and came back with Lovecraft Country, the book written by his son, based off of stories that he was told, which means that there is a timeline in which this son received these stories that are very similar to the book written by Matt Ruff. So are we all on the same page here? Okay. So with that knowledge in hand, I surmise that Matt Ruff's book is the main timeline. That is the Earth 616. That is the main timeline that this happened. The show is an alternate timeline to the book. The book that's in the show is a third timeline based off of the book does that make sense or is that kind of confusing no that actually makes total sense okay and then i have a reference to give you why i know it makes total sense but um, <laughs> well I'm see go full nerd and but i think that's why though because the people who were not understanding it it's like this is their first journey into nerd culture i've watched x-men and superman and all this other shit my whole life this is like that's why this is so easy for me to understand. Um, and then we have a fourth timeline, which is Hippolyta, depending on where she's gone, I think she split it up into like four different timelines. So it's the book, the show, the show that's in the book, and then Hippolyta going to see Josephine Baker, which made one timeline, her going to Wakanda, 
which made a different timeline. And then her mm-hmm. being Arinthia Blue, which made another... So I'm thinking, like, wherever she pops up again, I think she's made, like, f- at least three or four different timelines. Like, so... Yeah, no, she actually disrupted each timeline. Yeah, like, that's what I'm like, this is... And so, you know, Misha said that within, because there's two more episodes left, she can't give spoilers, but she said, I like the way you're thinking. So I'm thinking that if I'm not exact, I'm very close, that there are at least three different timelines. So that's my love. Now, yeah. now I have a question. Go ahead. I'm going to add it on to your theory, because when I seen that, I was like, okay. So with that, the book that Atticus got, he said a woman in a black hood mm-hmm. gave it to him with a middle arm threw him back into the time into the timeline or threw yeah. him mm-hmm. back into the, yeah so was that Hippolyta do you think mm-hmm. that gave him the book and pushed him back out no I, I think it was Garnet yeah I was I was about to say so I think it was the black afro alien yeah Garnet okay. Mm-hmm. I will continue calling her Black Garnet. No, for sure. That is. No. Right. That's the other timeline. No. Just... Right. <laughs> yes. Um. But no. Yeah. No. No. I. I believe it was her. Like. That, which. <sighs> Listen. I, I read mean, this book. Fair, it had time to give him the book since she was becoming a Wakandian. Uh, yeah, princess. there we go. Was, like she, like she was busy. She was living she was it up. Exploring the galaxy. I'm trying to figure out where, what, where was her last stop, or is she still? She was in that comic book. book. Right. So it's current, like in that moment, it's it's with Emmett Till dying. Is she still in that moment, or did she bounce to another timeline? Oh, okay. Um, Eric, do you want to take a shot at that? So. I do, but it's going to go really, really deep outside of storyline everything anyway. So, like, black nerdness. Um, I actually went to school for physics. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, I actually studied, like, I actually had, there was a professor that came in and talked about black holes and time travel in multiple dimensions. Mm-hmm. And even, I remember from that course, and what, and what has been going on in the show, it's actually, like, logically making sense if the equipment was made when I think it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like technically they're doing everything even from a logical standpoint. Yeah. It could, you can have multiple universes, you can have multiple uh, breakdowns because literally every decision in time splits every other yeah. mind. So basically everything that's happening, so even the idea of there's a, there's a world where Tick doesn't go back to the U.S. at all. Yeah. There's a world where um, Jihad probably actually dies. Like, each technically, from a scientific perspective, like, and don't quote me on it, but mm-hmm. there are studies that talk about that as well in real life, in time travel and black holes and things like that. Yeah. So the idea that someone can travel back and forth through time is being sort of researched. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, from the story itself, oh, I definitely, that's the first thing I thought of. When I saw the book, I'm like, okay, well, the book is by his son. Yeah. And he came from a different timeline or universe. And I'm like, okay, so now this is just Spider-Man into the multiple. <laughs> yeah. Like, so they can take it however, whichever way they want, which mm-hmm. also gives it um, a good option for for follow-up seasons. Yes. Because you can even, you can take that and kind of really run with that idea. Yeah. And create an entire, like, Lovecraft country, like, Lovecraft country, like, Multiverse. multiverse yes mm-hmm. yeah i'm bruh when i tell you i think they did enough in episode six 
introducing other cultures magic like that was enough to open up for more seasons yep. because there's so yep. much other magic but this oh fam they yeah like that you could have infinite seasons at this point like you could literally have a season where you race bent everybody so now letty uh is a white woman atticus is a, a white man christina is a black woman like you can do so much and it still makes sense to the story that this was a win. This episode was definitely a win for them. Like, so I know I'm right. Misha Green told me I was right. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you got me to support. Look, you got me to support your logic and writing, go. in the writing room with you. Look, so and you pretty much a scientist. I get that. Look. I get that. <laughs> yes, yes. My God. Okay, okay, y'all. So let's get into the faves and the not faves and all that. Uh. Let's get favorite character of this episode. Who y'all got? <laughs> yeah. Who? Well, I guess it's probably the, the simple one, but I feel like just because she she needs an advocate because she didn't have anyone <laughs> advocating for her. So D was my favorite character. And okay. That's specifically why because. She needed someone to, she needed Letty to stop and walk up to her and ask her what's wrong. And when she couldn't get an answer out of her, took her in the house and tried to figure it out instead of walking away and acting like she was annoyed with her, mm -hmm. knowing that the child had been missing all that time, mm -hmm. to then be annoyed with her and not trying to figure it out after you just acted like you cared that she mm -hmm. lost her friend. So, I say all that to say, yes, D, and also my favorite character was that blob at the end that came to save the day. I was about to ask, I was like, can I <laughs> say that the guard dog is my favorite character because of what yes. she's okay. When he it came just, and did not kill my one black person, yes. he, sure he was very selective with who he killed in the vicious way that he did it. Ah, yes, so I have to like, yes. Right, that's what I was like. That I was, I didn't no, want to say it. I was like, I'll take it. I will take it. Okay, that's fine. I'll take it. It's, right. I'm trying to find it's called a um, is it Shogoth? What is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a Shogoth or sh what I don't, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, but yeah, but I looked up some of the Lovecraftian monsters, so that I'm fine with that. I'll put okay. Sue. Cause D was gonna be my favorite anyways, but now y'all done said that, yeah, the D and that that show go. Show I mean, go. They were the first two. Like they were I was like, it's either gonna be D or the monster, like Yeah. And they was Yeah. Said, said D, I was like, Well, I guess I'll say the monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. And then also, you know what, did y'all recognize or recognize realize that that monster at the end was black, whereas the ones in episode one were white? I noticed that it was a different color. I, I forgot what the original ones were. They were like a white fleshy. The, eyes. Mm -hmm. and the other thing I noticed is that this one wasn't as sensitive to light. Right, right. So somebody spell work, goddammit. Somebody, because, right. yeah. So, yeah, so this, yeah, it's, okay, yeah. I'm still, <laughs> I love this damn show. Okay, um, so yeah, I'm going to go with, with the show Goff, and I'm going to go with D as well, because, goddammit, they did it. They did it together. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like slight kind of the two girls because those actresses kind of did it but I'm not going to write them down but them 
them that J setting shit they was doing, they was getting it. Yes. That shit was terrifying. I was, I was about to say, I was like, all of my favorites were back, were bad people. Like, right. So I'm like, the two girls, I was like, that would've been my next one. Yeah, though they they, they killed it. Grooving the entire time. They oh, killed yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay, what about a favorite scene? What was your? Yeah, like that's that's the Hall of Fame scene right there. Slaughtering all the cops. Like, yeah, that's mine too. Yeah. That definitely. <laughs> That added another element to it because I did not think I. That's not where my mind went. Of yeah. course, I knew that Atticus wasn't gonna die. I I had no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that maybe he had an invisible shield like Letty, and they were gonna find that out. Yeah. But to see that happen, mm. and then to the and I hate this sounds really bad, but as <laughs> brutally as he as he tore through those people. Is what made the scene. Yeah, just the the fury that that Shag got. So that yeah, had. sure. <laughs> yeah, what it, yeah, whatever it is, it it lived up to its name. Oh, because for sure. It it definitely uh left a a last mark. Now I'm just wondering, like, okay, so were the neighbors watching this whole time? The <laughs> like, were so... late tenants watching as this thing through the city, like? What happened? Does it go back in the ground and they just left with blood and guts everywhere? Like, what? Where are we going? With that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, so how? How? Is, uh, that's what my next thing was going to be. Like, how are they going to explain this uh, tomorrow or whenever somebody passes, drives by this house or goes across the street? Because you got flipped over cop cars. You literally saw a whole bunch of cops slaughtered by monsters. Yeah. So my favorite one was the one that the monster just threw across to the other. Oh, for sh- that was funny as I shit. Know. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, I, at this point, you could be racist all day, but you're gonna do it from the comfort of your home because you won't step on Letty's front steps no more. Like, hmm. and, and I, I love that. And this is the nerd in me, but all these people are like, it's X Men is what I keep like defaulting to, but like they're all going through this traumatic emotional experience and getting this like magical awakening was like what are we getting like a dungeons and dragons type season two like what are we gonna get next y'all have been through hell shit unless they create like a hogwarts i mean for uh, honestly i mean at this point that's where that's where it leads i'm like so where's this black school of wizardry there we go there we go that's what the hell i want umbrella academy just because Ooh, time yes, travel. yes. Yeah. See, so there we go. Hell, uh, who, who is this? Um, HBO, Misha Green, hit us up. Get us on the writers' team. Goddamn it, shit. You know, you and Misha, you know, y'all here. besties now. Let me call my whole girl. Right. You know what I'm saying? I work for free at this point. Uh, 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 no, we give you some credits or something. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's true. Let me. I take that back. I retract my statement. But rain. Yeah. Yeah. We gonna we gonna get you some uh some pay. Goddamn it. So <laughs> right. So I mean that's my favorite. I'm the final scene. That that final countdown. That was my. Yeah. So I'm with that. <laughs> okay. So well um introduce yourselves once again so the folks can know who's on the mic and uh all that good good stuff. Well, again, my name is Talisa. I don't have, I'm not a podcaster. I just like to jump on whatever brand lets me to. So uh, my Instagram is TLisa87. 
I think it's the same on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be more active, but I just I'm just a fan of good shows and good conversations. So I I truly appreciate you letting me be on your show again. You know I'm a big fan of yours oh. and so proud of everything you do, of course. So yes, thank you again, and it was great talking with everyone. And uh, I can't wait to see what these next two episodes bring. Oh yes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Eric, what about you? All right, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, uh, Eric Joseph. So on Instagram and Twitter, I am the Maverick. So the underscore M A V underscore E R I C K. Yes, I'm one of those people that actually spells Eric with both the C and the K. <laughs> um, so that's the easy way to remember it. But yeah, so follow me there. I am working on a couple of creative projects that should be released in the next couple of months, just depending mm-hmm. on how much time I can get them all together mm-hmm. uh but yeah so just be on the lookout for that okay possibly make another appearance here in a couple yes. episodes come on possibly finale at this point oh for sure oh then look at me <laughs> yeah um yeah guys so i'm gonna do a live uh viewing kind of of the finale i'm gonna find a way to either do a pre-game or an after show or watch it live so and that'll be streaming too so listeners be on the lookout for that I'm saying it now so I can be held to it later, but be on the lookout for that. <laughs> so, yes, yes. <laughs> right, look. Now, if it don't happen and you come back and listen and this go, <laughs> you know why. No, but that's I have every intention on it. So, we're we, we, we going to see. Um, and then thank you both. Thank you both for coming on. Honestly, you are always welcome back, both of you, whenever the hell you feel like it. Um, the links to their social medias will be in the show notes, so please be sure to give them a follow and uh, let us know how you felt about this episode and next episode and the last few and all that good stuff. And me, I am Rain Coleman, the Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. My link's in the show notes as well. And until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and I don't know, man, stay the fuck away from Chicago in the 50s or something, because what the, I don't, like, what else is there at this point? Just, I don't know, bye. (laughs) (laughs) The brutal murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till remains one of the darkest moments in the civil rights era. On August 20th, 1955, the Chicago teen went to visit relatives in Money, Mississippi. While there, Till and a group of friends went into a store to buy candy. Unaware of the racial tone in the Mississippi Delta, Till spoke to a white female storekeeper in a manner she deemed offensive. On August 28th, 1955, the storekeeper's husband, Roy Bryant, and his half-brother, J.W. Milam, abducted Till at gunpoint from his great-uncle's home. They drove him to a shed where they took turns torturing and beating him with a pistol. The pair then drove the battered teen to the edge of the Tallahatchie River. There they ordered him to remove his clothes and shot him in the head. Then they attached a heavy fan to his neck and rolled his body into the river. On August 31st, 1955, the body of Emmett Till was discovered by two young boys. Heartbroken and grief-stricken by the brutality of her son's death, Mamie Till Bradley defiantly held an open casket funeral in Chicago. 
for her son. She even sent pictures of his disfigured body to newspapers and magazines, saying the whole nation had to bear witness to this. Blacks, including young kids like myself, saw this horrendous picture in Jet Magazine and other black publications. In September 1955, Bryant and Milam were indicted for Emmett Till's murder. During the three-day trial, prosecutors presented testimony from Till's great uncle and Willie Reed, an African-American sharecropper who overheard Bryant and Milam torturing Till. On September 23, 1955, after deliberating for just over one hour, the all-white male jury found the defendants not guilty. Seven years after their acquittal, one juror admitted during an interview that most of the jurors believed Bryant and Milam were guilty, but acquitted them because the mandatory punishment of life in prison or death seemed too harsh to impose on white men for killing a black boy. <laughs>